Hi, how you doing? We're back and we're ready for it all over again. Said a man who is now no longer the leader of the Labour Party, but we'll get to that later. Um, back to what we're doing now. I, <laughs> I think I'm developing cabin fever, I don't know. The only things I can go out for is shopping, which is stressful as hell. But I mean, obviously it has to be done because otherwise I'm going to starve to death. Um, I, I don't want to be that guy who does like the online delivery thing because I know that there are people that need it way more than me. So I, I go to the shops and it is stressful. <laughs> I, I'm, you know, everyone's trying their best, but it is... An experience, you know. I've seen shit. We've all seen shit at this point. But um, the only other option I have is my little allotted daily exercise that the government has mandated. I'm allowed. Um, I tend to go to the park near me, but it's it's not a very good park. I'm not trying to park shame them, but I mean, maybe I am. Um, <laughs> but I, I can't go to a better park, you know, because. I feel like I get pulled over by the police and they'd be like, what, what the hell are you doing out here? You know, hello, 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 what's all this? And I'm like, I'm just looking for a better park star. And they just sort of arrest me, I don't know. Um, I have been thinking about the great parks of my lifetime. Greenwich Park. I miss it. I miss it with this genuine need in my chest you know I just I miss being there just looking out all the places I miss Danson Park I miss I miss Hyde Park but like not as much as the other two I <sighs> craving for parks this is this is life in the time of corona this is this is what it's come to lads I feel like pure shit just want non-lockdown life back feeling a little bit isolated in this whole self-isolation situation well the best friend you can have is a book and there are plenty of them available during the Smashwords Authors Give Back sale, including my two latest poetry collections, Old Brown Eyes is Back and Do Us Ex Machina, which are both free in the sale. You can find lots of books from some of your favourite authors at $2.99 or below, including many books that are free. Find out more at smashwords.com. Whispering like Lady Macbeth, captivated by your cruelty. I am crazy, with a heart so white. Black silk layered with lace on our bed, trying to ask, but predictably preoccupied with how much I fear power. For its own sake or otherwise, I am holding the covers. 
against where you belong. My eyes are wide, pleading. I hide my heart so white but so willing, whispering. Blood all over my body, granting guilt safe passage to my soul. Madness and death are looming above me, but I don't care. Because at last you are overcome by a mad queen's whispers and whimpers. Berating blankets that have touched what was always yours. Brief, timeless touches bring me closer to madness, closer to crazed closure. I am a sweet satanic witch, beckoning your body, my dearest love, my hand. My tongue looks like the innocent flower, but you know better, my dearest love. So April is National Poetry Month. I believe that is an American thing rather than a a British thing. I I don't think it is National Poetry Month here. Kind of like how they have Mother's Day on like a different day. And so (laughs) Mother's Day in the UK is in March. But then I think it's like June or July. I, I don't really recall. But around that time, I get a load of emails from American companies talking about Mother's Day. And I'm suddenly like, shit did I forget Mother's Day? And then I'm like, no, girl, we did that back in March. Your mother is fine. Um, (laughs) But they have National Poetry Month in April. Um, But because the internet makes us feel all global and shit, I tend to join in because who's going to stop me? You know, the American Poetry Police? I don't know. Anyways, so for every day in April, I am challenging myself to write something new, um, edit it, and publish it. Um, I tend to write every day for the most part anyway, but normally I wouldn't like go through the whole process every day of a month, but I am attempting to because, well, what else am I going to do? Um, (laughs) so, uh, that poem was the first one that I did on April 1st. Um, And I actually started it about one o'clock in the morning because I couldn't sleep and I was just sort of laying there, um, just thinking about things in in my life. And and then I, I don't know why, but I I started thinking about Macbeth and then, (laughs) and I just, I had this idea about a line about, you know, kind of whispering like Lady Macbeth, that whole idea of, you know, kind of almost tricking someone into thinking that something was their idea. And then I thought, oh, let me expand on this. And I'm I'm sat there at one o'clock in the morning with my headphones on, listening to, you know, to some Judy Garland, living my best life in bed, writing this thing. And it was so fun. Just, I mean, I was tired the day after, let me tell you that, but I had a good time. And so uh, then I kind of cleaned it up a bit more throughout the day during, you know, the regular part of the day where you're actually supposed to be awake. And <laughs> and I published it then. Um, and I thought that was when I decided, you know, OK, I'm going to do this every day. This is going to be fun. I'm going to have a good time. Um You know, and some people would say, well, you know, you're a writer. Shouldn't you be doing this all the time? 
sorry, I'm talking. I just noticed the bruise on my wrist. I have no idea where it came from. I'm so easily distracted. This is why I should get like a co-host. I say this all the time, all the time, but I never, I never do it. And I can't do it now because they, they can't be here. You know, we've all got a social distance, but that'll be my excuse. Oh, yes, I would get a co-host, but you know, coronavirus. Sorry, lads. Anyway, back to what I was saying. <laughs> so I decided sort of then, you know, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to do this this month. Um, and like I said, you know, people will say, oh, well, you're a writer. Shouldn't you be doing this every day anyway? And you know what? Yeah, maybe I should, but that's not really the reality of life. Um, it's a very lovely thought that I could spend all of my days writing and that I always will have something that I can say and something I can create. But realistically, that's just not the truth. And frankly, any writer that tells you it is, is probably a liar. Um, you can be very productive, but to act like you can just churn out work it's just not realistic even people that have you know a great setup and they have all the free time in the world and they have a dedicated writing room and all the vintage typewriters and instagrammable desks that people could want and all the money in the world and they have no cares and no worries and they can just sit there and write all the time if they want they're not always going to have something to say sometimes there are just days when you're like i have no idea what I'm supposed to do so actually committing to a whole month is difficult this is why I don't do that novel writing thing you know that thing where you take like I think it's November you take like a whole month and you write a, 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 like a whole novel in that month I never do that <laughs> I never do like writing challenges and stuff like that normally because I know myself and I know I'm just gonna get like I'd just be done with it in like a month. I, not even a month. I would last like two weeks. Because, <laughs> you know, I'm going to say it. You know, I'm going to say it. I'm an Aquarius. But it's true. <laughs> it's true. And I feel like this is my proof and I'm going to bring it to any skeptics. But this month, I am going to attempt it. I'm going to try. Um, I'm doing pretty good so far. I've stuck to it thus far. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> um, and we'll see what happens. I found you once on my space. Fifteen, fixated on the way you were, disappointed to feel disjointed from what you became. Scrolling down, looking for someone that no longer existed, but still carried your name. And the sweet green eyes I missed so much. When I was in secondary school, I through great luck and great generosity I suppose ended up with a scholarship to a weekend performing arts school um in case you haven't heard I was that unbearable theater kid um 
And so I would go to that every weekend. And I met this guy there. And I just, I liked him so much. I thought he was so great. Um, and then obviously my scholarship came to an end. Um, and it was a very expensive place. So, you know, we couldn't afford for me to keep going. Um, so I was, I was my last week and I was really sad. And we all went out, uh, to the town nearby, you know, to do the normal teen things at the time of like going around to shops where we couldn't really afford to buy anything, maybe getting some lunch and then just sort of walking around and being those youths that they talked with great concern about on the news. Um, <laughs> so we, we did that. And most of them went home after a while and it was just me and him and I thought to myself maybe I should tell him that I like him but I didn't I thought no I'm not gonna do that that would be too big a risk you don't know what's gonna happen he could reject you he could not be into girls he could think that you're terrible he could not be looking for commitment right now. He could hate you. There are so many ways you can be rejected. Don't do it. So I didn't, you know, because sometimes I do actually listen to myself, normally when I'm being negative. So I said nothing. We just parted as friends. And then a couple of months later, I, very late to the party as usual, got my space and I looked him up and I found him and as teenagers often do, of course I didn't know that at the time but I do now, he had changed, he was very different. Uh, he was, <laughs> you know, sort of everything that I liked about him was sort of gone. He was just a completely different person. He he wasn't into musicals anymore. He didn't like music anymore. You know, that kind of stuff. And I'm like, oh no, this boy that I only saw like once a week for a couple of months that I hyper romanticized is different from what I expected. Oh my God. I proper broke my little teenage heart. Obviously now I can look back and be like, girl, <laughs> you're so dumb. <laughs> But at the time, it felt proper devastating, and I was really sad about it. Uh, I don't know why I thought about it the other day, but I did. And so I wrote, I wrote a little something about that heartbreaking and dramatic moment of my my formative and troubling teenage years. I haven't looked him up again since because to be quite honest with you, I can't remember all the details. I remember his first name, but I don't remember his last name, so I don't think I could. And he's got quite a common first name, so it'd take forever to find him. Um, so I, I, I don't know if he went back to how I liked him or if he's still what he ended up being. I have no idea. And it'll be a mystery, I guess. But not a fun mystery where you find out what happens at the end.
guess I never learned to paint my nails properly. Like everything in my life, I can't quite keep between the lines. But you don't seem to mind, you tell me they look nice, and your voice, soft and reassuring, is all the convincing I need to keep splattering black nail varnish in the vague direction of my nails with half gay abandon. In case you didn't know, I'm bisexual. It's basically the rules that I have to loudly announce it as often as possible. I'm painting my nails with only a Morrissey vinyl for company waiting for you to call. Though I know you're busy today and I'm setting myself up for a mid-evening crash where I lay under my covers and refuse to eat dinner, which isn't nearly as dramatic when you are the only person who'll notice if you don't get up and make dinner for yourself. I cry myself to sleep because like Tinkerbell, Rachel Berry, Instagram influencers and well, I suppose Morrissey, although I am trying not to give in to him at this point. I need attention to live, and darling, I am dying. One can't exactly go to waste in the wrong arms if no arms come to call in the first place. I'm sorry to be so obvious, but my loneliness is life and death, and that's how we almost lost Brittany. You wouldn't want that for me, surely? My nails still look a mess. Morrissey is almost done, and thank God, because... <laughs> I feel guilty even letting him in. You know, him and what he's become in my house, oh my god. And of course, you haven't called, so I'm going to the park to cry under the stars for a change of scenery. My nails being messy is actually, I suppose, part of my brand at this point. If I got good at doing them or, God forbid, paid somebody to do them, although we can't do that in this climate, but, you know, after this is done, if I was like, I'm going to go and get my nails done. There, there is a nail bar right next door to my house, <laughs> you know, so I could, I could go there and I could be like, ahoy there, ladies, do my nails. What's, what's your price list? What have we got here? I could get some of those like fancy acrylic ones, you know, um, like all the, all the people on, on the Instagram do. Um, but I, it'll be a betrayal of my principles, you know, we're, we're sticking to this. We're committed to messy nails that look like they were kind of done by a toddler. Um, when we was playing dress up because that's who I am. And I'm okay with that. <laughs> it's, you know, it's it's who we are, aesthetically. Um, <laughs> but I was I was doing my nails the other day and I was oh god, I was I was in a I was in a place, you know what I mean? Because I was like, I'm locked in the house, I'm upset, I I I want I want attention. What the fucking hell is this? And I'm sitting there listening to my records, feeling, feeling some kind of way. And <laughs> so I was like, let me just, let me write this down. You know, we, we could have some fun with this. And admittedly, it cheered me up, you know, which was good. Um, but my nails still look a fucking mess because I was doing them while I was writing. So that probably made them messier.
So, as everybody keeps saying, we're in unprecedented times. And so I guess that means that celebrities find unprecedented ways to be gross. <laughs> I don't really know how else to phrase that. It's just, it is what it is. Basically, there has been this rush of celebrities doing giveaways of money on social media where they make fans follow them or they make fans retweet something or tweet with a certain hashtag or in some cases beg them for help using a hashtag to boost their engagement. So they basically dangle help and support in front of their fans and say oh you need money during these hard economic times you need money for medicine or for food or because your job stopped paying you oh well i've got like a thousand dollars to give away all you have to do is follow me and retweet this and maybe reply with some kind of story about your life so that i can feel better about myself and you know what that's becoming a pandemic within itself. So many are fucking doing it now. Um, and I just... These are your kings and queens, really? There are definitely ways for people who have means to be able to help people economically and who have big platforms to help people without making them publicly beg for help. And without turning it into an exercise to boost their social media numbers. Britney fucking Spears, who is one of the biggest celebrities on the planet. Right? She just said, my DMs on Instagram are open. If you need help with something, send me a message. And she's helping people. She's not making them beg on social media. She's not making people open up about their struggles publicly. And humiliate themselves to get help she's not making people like anything or retweet anything or follow anyone she's just saying if you need help and i can do something let me know and i will and she's doing it she's not asking for social media engagement she's not asking for thanks she's not buying you know their support by saying I'll give you this money if you buy my album or whatever. She's not doing any of that. She's just saying, if I can help you, let me know and I'll do it. You know, Taylor Swift is doing the same thing. She, she's, she's just dropping into her fans' DMs and saying, is there anything I can help with? What do you need? And she's just helping people. She's not asking them for anything in return. These are two of the biggest celebrities on the planet. Okay? These are people who... Who, who've probably got, you know, hundreds of thousands of offers, you know, coming in. Or not, not offers, that's not the right word. You know, requests, you know, people saying, help me, help me. And they are, they're just doing it. They're not asking for anything in return. They're just saying, if I can help people, I'm going to help people. You have Rihanna, who is giving hundreds of thousands of dollars to organisations that are helping people through this. She's just... She's just giving the money to, to these organisations and saying, there you go. You know, Dolly Parton is just giving millions of dollars to try and, and fund for a vaccine. She's not asking for any praise. She's not asking for people to give her anything back. She's just saying, I want to help. Here's what I can do. Right. But then you have some celebrities 
who are saying, and you know what, I'm just, I'm going to read out this fucking tweet because <laughs> I'm going to give away $5,000 to three random people who retweet this and follow me. Heart emoji. Quarantine is lasting way longer than expected and I want to keep helping out. Love you guys. Star emoji. And then if you go to this guy's Twitter feed, right? <laughs> it's <laughs> It's his fans tweeting him begging for help talking about difficult situations they're going through and he's quote tweeting it and going oh so sad and he's giving out false hope to so many of his followers who are not going to get the 5,000 and the ones that do get the 5,000 have to go through having the darkest moments of their life projected to his millions of followers having to have the moment where they have to beg for help from a millionaire projected to his millions of followers. And he feels good about that. He thinks he's doing a good thing. But he's not doing it out of the goodness of his heart. He's doing it for attention, for social media engagement, and so that he can walk around and say, I'm such a good guy, please forget about that time I walked down the street calling a random black woman the N-word. Please forget about all the shady shit I've done throughout my career. Please forget about that time that I launched a lipstick brand based around Nazi branding. Please forget about all that. I'm giving people money. I'm being nice now. That's why he's doing this, not because he cares about people. Because if he did genuinely care about people, he wouldn't be asking people to follow him. He wouldn't be asking people to retweet him. He wouldn't be asking people to reply, telling him the darkest situations that they're in he would just give the money to an organization that can help or he would just be reaching out to fans or finding a way to reach out that allows them not to have to go through this but he doesn't do that because of course he doesn't <laughs> anyway i just <laughs> i saw the fucking it's jeffree star i'm talking about <laughs> i saw the tweet from him in my timeline because somebody had replied to it and I just I just thought really you're using a pandemic where some people's lives are falling apart people are struggling so much right now people's lives are going to shit people are going to lose their homes their jobs people are losing family members and you pick now to do this, to try and make yourself look like a hero and get some attention. I would ask what the fuck is wrong with him, but I, we'd be here all day, frankly. I just... If you have the means to help people, just fucking help people. Don't make it into some PR exercise. If you say you want to help people, just do it. Don't ask what helping people can do for you. Because that's, that's not what it's about. It's not what it should be about. But unfortunately, in these crazed and unprecedented times, apparently it is.
holding a Halloween mask to your face, hoping your costumed bravery would not betray you, on the sofa, suffering from a racing heart, racy thoughts to distract you from the dark screen, dark dreams, suffering for me, your desensitized darling, Halloween howl that lasts all year, but lives in heaven. As you may know, I love horror films with my whole heart. They are everything to me. I watch them all the time. Um, honestly, it's it's hard though sometimes because <laughs> it is kind of one of the most hated genres of cinema. But nevertheless, I am here for it. I love it. I love them with everything I have however (laughs) there is a certain person in my life who does not actually realistically speaking that could actually be applied to most people in my life as it all turns out most people don't like scary films (laughs) I know um but (laughs) um my boyfriend really doesn't like them and I have this tradition, okay? It's you know earlier I spoke about writing for a whole month is what I'm doing this month, right? Every day. You see, here's a month long tradition I can actually stick to: watching a horror movie every day for the month of October and the build up to Halloween. I do it every year. I have a wonderful time. And of course. You know, of course I end up, me, a person who loves horror films, is pretty much entirely dependent on astrology for all of their basic life decisions and is quite frankly just a bit, um, you know, not altogether that serious about life I suppose really it was my destiny to fall in love with a Capricorn who doesn't believe in astrology is quite realistic and serious and hates horror films you know I mean I know that they say that opposites attract but I guess it's really true isn't it But I've been thinking, you know, how am I going to still get to carry out my sacred October traditions and also not have him run away because he hates it? (laughs) I still haven't figured it out. So instead, I just wrote a cute poem about him trying to not be too you know, disturbed by the whole experience, (laughs) which isn't a plan, you know, as a great man once said, that's not a plan, Stan, that's not a, that's not an agenda, Brenda, but it's what we've got so far, 
and we can build on that. I don't know how, <laughs> but we're gonna figure it out. Cause I, has anyone really expected me to choose between my month-long binge of horror movies and love? I hope not. That would suck. What the actual fuck is going on with this whole politics business? Well, everyone really needs to stand up and say, OK, no, this is not politics in the normal British way. This is something darker and bleaker and it's got to stop. Peace is possible and must be achieved. We want Scotland to remain inside the EU and we want the UK to remain inside the EU. Labour is weak and divided and completely unable to offer any sort of opposition to the Tories. And I say, I say to all the doubters, dude, we are going to energise the country. We're going to get Brexit done. But the party that I need is an independent political party. Okay, so straight off the bat, I'm recording this um, before the Labour leadership election results have been announced. So as I'm recording this, it has finished. Voting has finished. The ballots are closed. Finally, we never thought this day would come. And here we are, finally. But um, I don't know the results yet. But I will be popping back in to add a little update to this because thankfully they will be announced before this episode goes out. I will be letting you know who won and what was the tea, what was the drama, because you know there will be. (laughs) You know that there will be for sure um so i will i will give you the tea but for now it is just closed we don't know the results yet um there was a little weird moment momentum who had previously been backing rebecca long bailey and Angela Rayner now only appear to be supporting Rebecca Long Bailey. They have stopped um, sending out any support for Angela Rayner. They sent out some reminders to their members and to their contact list um, over the last few days, reminding people to vote in the election and reminding people to vote for Rebecca Long Bailey but there was no mention of of Miss Angela so I don't know if they've decided that now she's no longer their girl they don't care about her I don't know what the tea is but it looks like they're not they're not feeling her anymore a lot of the people that were supporting Rebecca Long Bailey did also have Richard Burgeon as their choice uh, for deputies, so that could be part of it. It could be that momentum as a group are not able to pivot to 
that perspective. So they're just dropping support for Reina to hope that people will follow the lead that a lot of others have. Um, but apparently they don't they don't back her for deputy anymore. I don't know. Um, so far, it is looking likely that she will do well, though. She is the favourite. Um, Keir Starmer is the favourite in terms of leadership. So we'll see. But um, it's been quite a, a situation, hasn't it? They have been up to some nonsense. These last few months, it's been a long time. <laughs> uh, thank God we've got a nice rest before the Lib Dems decide that they're doing one. But um, leadership contests, eh? Who'd have them? Uh, Jeremy Corbyn, of course, is the outgoing leader of the Labour Party. Um, and he's been... Uh, He's been getting a lot of tributes on social media. There's been a lot of posts about Jeremy Corbyn uh, from his supporters, a lot of blog posts, articles, Twitter threads, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, <laughs> because, yeah, there are going to be some people that miss him. And that's fine, I guess. Um but the other side of the Labour Party are not holding back anymore. There was a, a politeness before to an extent. But now the masks are off. Everybody's, the girls are fighting. You know, now just the sight of these showings of support for Jeremy Corbyn is bringing out some rage in people. They are mad. They have had enough. People are just ripping into him. Um, his supporters are fighting back. So, yeah, the Labour Party's getting a new leader, but who fucking knows if there'll be a Labour Party to lead after all this? I don't know. Um, speaking of Jay Corbs, Jeremy Corbyn, um, he's been doing some last-minute media this week. Um, he spoke to Beth Rigby at Sky News. Beth Rigby, who, by the way, is one of my favourite journalists, she is so... She just gets straight to the point. And I fucking love that in a journalist. Love to see it. Anyway, um, she spoke to Jeremy Corbyn and they spoke about testing. And Jeremy Corbyn said that the facilities for the government to get testing done has simply not been effective and it irritates him a great deal. And you know what... I think he's got a point. Um, it's very obvious that more testing should be a priority. Um, and it is hard to argue that the government is doing that. Um, you know, testing for frontline healthcare workers, testing for people who are displaying symptoms, it's it's not happening at the rate that it should be, ideally, and that is having an effect. And I, you know, I feel, as the leader of the opposition, until Saturday afternoon, he has every right to say that. Fair enough, you know? Um... 
he's also commented on universal credit applications. So, you'll remember Rishi Sunak, the, you know, everybody's sudden favourite you know, the guy that everyone was like, oh, he should be prime minister. Oh my God, he's the best person ever. Oh, what a man, that guy. Yeah, it turns out all his big plans, you know, the job retention scheme, the scheme for self-employed people, uh, you know, the business loans. It turns out actually a lot of these plans have flaws. And so... <laughs> As a result of that, there are people in hardship right the fuck now and they need help. So they've done the only thing that they can realistically do, which is apply for universal credit. And this was Jeremy Corbyn's thoughts on that matter. He tweeted, or I say he tweeted, it was probably a member of his social media team, but still. Almost a million people have applied for universal credit in two weeks. Normally, it's 100,000. The government needs to provide the DWP, that's the Department for Work and Pensions, with extra resources so it can process applications, end the five-week wait and raise benefit levels so there are enough to live on. And all of this is true. Again, he's got a point. Um, do you know, speaking of, of Jeremy Corbyn and just in general as a whole, I think throughout his time as leader a lot of the time he's had some very good points and he's been right on a lot of things but he he didn't know how to play the game and it's not a nice thing to say it, it shouldn't be the case that a person has to dress a certain way to be taken seriously or talk a certain way to be taken seriously um but those those are the realities of the world that we live in and specifically the world that he exists in you know it's not nice to say you know maybe if he you know went to less you know protests and smartened up his image a bit and you know something like that you know that that he would have been taken more seriously but it is the reality of it a lot of the time, the extra parts of him that really shouldn't bear any real emphasis on how seriously he's taken were the things that were used to pick him apart. You know, what he says about the NHS is correct. It does need to be funded properly. NHS staff should be given a lot more respect and a lot more, you know, job security, job satisfaction really because if you if you look at testimonies from people who work in the NHS a lot of them are not fucking happy because they're being worked to death you know they should get paid better they should they should have better working environments all of that is true but then you look at the guy who's saying it and you know it's the same guy that is constantly followed around by scandals about racism and sexism you know a guy who isn't taken seriously by his peers because he's let all of this get on top of him and he's never he's never dealt with it 
he's never looked at the way that he is perceived and said anything other than that is a smear. And if he had done that, maybe he could have achieved some of his objectives. Maybe he could have been prime minister. You know, I, I'm just saying. And I hope that whoever ends up leading the Labour Party next will take that into consideration. You know, sometimes you have to say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually address these concerns. I'm going to do something about this issue rather than burying my head in the sand and just sort of plugging in the, the voices of all my supporters and I'm just going to ignore all of this stuff that can easily be thrown at me to tear me down because it's not going to go away. And it didn't go away for Jeremy Corbyn. You know, and I'm, I'm not saying that he could have made it go away because, you know, there was quite a lot of serious stuff there as well. But I think he would have got further and he would have achieved a lot more of his aims had he been willing to address people's concerns, had he been willing to have these discussions with people and be open and honest rather than just constantly yelling about the media attacking him. We are, of course, in unprecedented times, as everybody keeps saying. And so, of course, another unprecedented thing has just happened. For the first time in nearly a decade, the British public approve of the government. The government's approval ratings are actually positive. Uh, They have been in the negatives since October 2010. But now, they are not. So... Congrats, Boris and the gang, I guess. Um, of course, that they have to keep it that way. And um, we'll see if that happens. Rishi Sunak. Everybody's favourite. He's so popular. Well for now with certain people he decided to do a question and answer session um he tweeted i'll be answering your questions tomorrow on the measures in place to protect jobs and businesses during coronavirus submit them by commenting below using hashtag ask rishi and my god People are not happy. Um, So, let's see what people think of Rishi and his big ideas. Please can you revisit the retention scheme to include those who started new jobs in March or who have had job offers withdrawn. People are in a desperate situation. What? But I thought the job retention scheme was amazing. I'm sure it's just one person. Let's see what other people think. I'm asking you politely. Honestly, that's that's very good of her because I, I don't know that I could be so polite. To please amend the job retention scheme to include those that either signed a contract or started a new job after the date of the 28th of February and before the date the scheme was announced. Fair enough. Why is there no income support for people who have changed jobs after the 28th of February? Can this arbitrary cut-off date be scrapped? Thousands of us are left with without income during this time and old employers should not be expected to, to help wow 
it's uh <laughs> it's really looking like the fellow scheme is uh not as perfect as he you know said it was let's have a look at some more of these comments can you please relook at your furlough scheme for those who started new jobs in March? It really seems like this is a problem. Wow. You'd think that the guy who's in charge of the fucking treasury would have looked at this before he announced it, right? Thousands of us are being left behind and forgotten about due to us not being on the company's payroll on the 28th of February. Please help. I mean, surely the Chancellor of the Exchequer didn't just forget about these people, right? Surely not. Let's have a look at some of the other questions. How will you help those who've only become self-employed in the last year, but come from a previous pay-as-you-earn situation, all up to this stage, and universal credit, if you're even eligible, won't cover 10% of what's required? Hmm. Why won't you do anything for directors of small limited companies like me with no business premises? I pay the same amount of tax as a sole trader, yet get nothing. My profits average £20,000 per year and I cannot work because of the lockdown. Why are you failing us? Wow. But I thought Rishi was helping all the businesses. I thought he was the business guy. What's this? We want to keep our staff, but I'm a fortnight away from having to let them go at this stage. Help us look after ourselves so we can look after our staff and protect jobs. Wait, but I thought he was making these schemes super accessible and easy for businesses. And I thought he was going to save all the businesses and their employers. I, for one, am shocked. Shocked, I tell you. Wow. I'm not going to lie to you, most of the questions are basically about the huge gaps in these amazing, unprecedented schemes that the Chancellor announced. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty sure that he's going to regret having opened up these questions because I don't think he has answers for any of them. Um, I feel like this was a, a stunt. So that he could look relatable and shit like that. And it's backfired because everybody is pointing out how flawed his two big flagship schemes are. And so now he just kind of looks like a mug. Um, I hope that he does come through for these people. And I hope... I I really hope that he can come up with a way to help people who are in these situations who have been left behind. I just, I don't see it. I don't see it realistically happening. I really would like to be wrong. I really would like... For him to pull something out of the bag and do something to help these people. But I don't see it. And it is horrific that, you know, people having to turn to Twitter to ask these questions because there's no other way 
it's it's very sad there was uh, a story about personal protective equipment or ppe as you may have heard it called um it's in very short supply right now people are having a lot of trouble getting what they need to ensure that they can be safe while they are looking after other people uh the nhs are having huge problems with it um especially the nhs in england um but another sector that a lot of people don't seem to realize are having the same problem is the social care sector so care homes uh care companies that provide care directly in people's homes um are having a lot of problems getting the equipment they need so the government sent uh packages out to care companies and care providers and the package is 300 single use face masks 300 that's it there are some companies that can get through that in a day because these masks are single use so you can use them for one you know one interaction with a patient um there's a, a a care company that spoke to ITV News and they said they get through 24,000 visits a week. So 300 is, it, it doesn't even last them a day. And obviously when they call their suppliers, the suppliers are saying, well, we'll try, but we're running low on stock too. And they don't know where to turn. And to be honest, a lot of the healthcare sectors, including social care, do feel abandoned, you know, in, in this regard. Social care as a sector has been neglected for a very long time. Um, it is in with the Department of Health, but it doesn't get as much attention as it needs. As a sector, it needs a lot more help. Um, and I think now we're starting to see the effects of that. But it's it's like with the whole thing with the NHS. Will people, after this is over, will they remember how they felt? Will they remember that for a couple of weeks they thought... Yeah, NHS workers are heroes. Are they are they going to remember that after? You know, when people say now we should be helping care workers, are they going to remember that after? Or not? I don't know. Um, you know, I mean, the, the love that people have, the shared love people had for the NHS has apparently worn off already. Um, there was a, a news story... It was very sad, actually. As a woman, uh, she was a nurse. She just finished an, a shift. She had gone to the shops, and the shop that she went to had an arrangement for NHS staff. They didn't have to queue to get into the store. They could just go in. Um, because when they were going shopping, they'd normally just come off a shift. They were tired. They just wanted to get their stuff and go. Um, so the store was allowing them in without the queuing. And people who were in the queue started abusing her. They were shouting at her and screaming at her and, and just basically verbally abusing her in the street. 
you know, and and <laughs> these are the same people who just a couple of days before would have been standing in their streets clapping and calling NHS workers heroes. But then when an NHS nurse wants to just go and get some food after having worked for 12 hours looking after sick people, they're yelling at her and they're being mean to her. Um, you know, so my worry is that people will say, oh, we should fund the NHS properly. We should make sure that doctors and nurses and healthcare workers and porters and cleaners should be paid properly. You know, and we should look after care workers and we should make sure that the social care sector has the funding it needs and the equipment it needs. But then after this is over, people are going to forget and it's not going to be a priority anymore and people aren't going to care. And so the government will be able to continue what it's doing, which is... <laughs> to all intents and purposes massively underfunding health and social care and then we end up in this exact same mess the next time something like this happens and we go back to you know sort of doing you know little clapping things and and begging the public to to volunteer because we still haven't learned our lesson and we're still not funding these vital parts of our society properly because we were angry for a little bit and then we forgot and so the government just carried on with what they were doing that is my big fear with this whole crisis really is that when it's over it's over we just go back to how we were we don't acknowledge how we got here what happened to lead us to this place and I don't think that's sustainable I think that is just going to lead to the exact same thing happening again probably worse and it just becomes a cycle I don't think I don't think that's a world people want but I think it's the world we're going to get in the uh, interest of social distancing I suppose the government held the first ever digital only cabinet meeting for ministers um, and they tweeted out a little screenshot to prove that they were working hard. They had a cabinet meeting on Zoom, which is a video conference app thing. I, I don't know. I don't generally tend to have video conferences, but I'm assuming that's what it is and what it does. And it was, a frankly, a harrowing look behind the keyhole into the homes of, of our cabinet. And my goodness, Liz Truss has some absolutely cringeworthy decor. She's sitting there with the union flag behind her in this meeting. And I'm pretty sure she put it there for the sake of the meeting. Because I, I just, I don't think people just have them around the house. Like not even the most like diehard unionist. Like, come on, girl. Who is this for? <laughs> um, A lot of them kind of posed, you know deliberately put in front of their bookshelves to try and 
show off that they are hashtag intellectuals. Um, Pretty Patel was dressed like super casual, which makes sense because, you know, Miss Thing is working from home. But it was, it was like, when you see teachers on like those extended school trips where you like go like for a week away with the school and then the teachers wear normal clothes and you're like, what the fuck? Why? You... Who let you out of the school? It is very that. Um... She had glasses and everything. It was, uh, it's very that. Jacob Rees-Mogg, like, sort of appeared in front of this huge bookshelf full of, like, really old-looking books. It was very, you know, ancient vampire's first Skype call, which was kind of expected for him. Boris Johnson, is <laughs> in the screenshot, <laughs> even, you know, I'm sure everybody knows this by now. But Boris Johnson's whole bumbling, cringe dad, you know, thing is an act. It's not, it's not like a real thing. It's something he puts on. Um, that has been confirmed many times. But he, he even appears to be doing it in this. Like, he's zoomed in too far. He looks a bit, do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like he's trying to carry on his little charade, even over video call, when he had coronavirus. And you know what i can't stand the man but i have to respect his dedication to his brand because jesus <laughs> it, it, <laughs> honestly the, the, this screenshot it's like a gold mine there's so many hilarious things going on all the way through it michael gove is very much like the the granddad that doesn't really understand how the internet works and he's kind of confused and the, the camera is just kind of looking a bit too far up his nose and he doesn't know how to change it. So he's just sort of left it there. Rishi Sunak looks bored as hell. Um, <laughs> it's just, just girl, just the whole thing. It, and they, they left the meeting ID in the screenshot so people could join the meeting the next time they have one if they don't change it. But we don't know if that's going to happen yet because... Uh, another meeting hasn't happened, but a lot of people are hoping that it will, <laughs> so that people can can join in and see what the hell is going on in the whole cabinet business. Um, <laughs> but it was, it was, it was quite interesting, you know, how the other half live, you know. Um, but I just the, the idea that the cabinet is meeting over Zoom is just crazy to me zoom what's next they all you know they do a cobra meeting over msn messenger or something that would be cute though i would love that <laughs> but actually msn messenger i don't think it exists anymore so i don't think you can but um but that would be cute i would love that <laughs> oh and this do you know what this isn't a huge story but <laughs> I've just seen it again on my timeline. It made me laugh so much to talk about it. Dominic Robb um, did one of the press briefings for the government. They're doing daily briefings where they talk about the latest updates on their response to coronavirus. Um, they take questions from journalists. Um, that's all gone digital now. All the journalists, they, they call in via Skype and stuff. It's very exciting. Um, but Dominic Robb took one of the briefings because Boris Johnson and a lot of people that had 
you know, socialised with him. We're in isolation because of his uh, diagnosis of coronavirus. Um, so Dominic Raab had his big chance. He got to step up to the podium and prove himself. And he was turning a page and he licked his finger to do so. Which, quite frankly, you shouldn't really be doing during a global pandemic where everyone's being told, try not to touch things especially your face D you know don't put your fucking fingers in your mouth dominic for goodness sake you're a grown man you're a member of the cabinet speaking of people that probably shouldn't need to be told not to do things but apparently do ruth davidson hey remember her yeah everyone was like oh yeah yeah she's gonna be first minister of scotland and then she's gonna go to westminster and she's gonna be prime minister and everything like girl the only thing that she ever won was the scottish conservatives leadership election and celebrity bake-off you guys really gas this girl up for no good reason anyways <laughs> so what happened was she publicly tweeted that <laughs> Jesus. that Alex Younger, who works for MI6, he's like a spy, basically. She basically tweeted a very, very obvious description of his house. She, she basically tweeted details that could lead to people finding his address. And then she, she, she deleted it once that was pointed out. But she said that she thought she was replying to a direct message. Even though the screens for replying to a tweet and replying to a direct message look very obviously different. So, does she, does she use Twitter with her eyes closed or what? Like, girl, I, I just, I don't understand her reasoning. I don't at all. It's the most confusing. I. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> so a spokesman for the Scottish Conservatives, um, of which she is no longer leader, of course, said Ruth thought she was sending the tweet as a private message. And as soon as she realised it was public, took it down. Girl. I just, I, I don't understand. The two screens look entirely different, girl. How could you make this mistake? As, as reckless. I, and these people thought this girl was going to be prime minister. <laughs> prime minister of where? Incorrect Twitter use? Like, girl. Girl. I mean, I'm just saying, I'm pretty sure that if someone, you know, sort of accidentally leaked very obvious details of where she lived, she wouldn't be as casual about it and be like, oh, I thought it was a DM. Oh, I feel so dumb. I'm sorry. She would be livid. So <laughs> she's taken this a bit too casually for my liking. I don't know. It's kind of embarrassing. Well, it's over. The results have finally been announced. Keir Starmer is the new leader of the Labour Party and Angela Rayner is the new deputy leader of the Labour Party. I feel like 
especially with Keir Starmer, I, I kind of could see that coming. Um, Angela Rayner, I think, was the favourite for a long time um, as well. So I think it's the results that a lot of people expected. But I think it is a positive move for the Labour Party. Um, they have both, throughout the campaign been very committed to taking the party in a direction that is more positive that is going to give the public a more positive image of the party and potentially you know win some seats back maybe even win an election and I think that's really the direction that Labour needs to go in um you know sometimes as a party you have to say well if we say that we're for the people, we have to do what the people want us to do. And I think Labour hasn't been on that direction for a while. But uh, both Starmer and Rayner do seem willing to go in that direction. Um, so it's quite exciting to see what they're going to do. Um, already, there has been uh, discussions about... Uh, what's next for Labour. Uh, Ian Blackford from the SNP has put out a statement asking for the new leadership team of the Labour Party to commit to working with other opposition parties to hold the government to account. And I think during a crisis like this, that is incredibly important to just get that down straight away and say, yes, we are doing this. Um, for a very long time under Jeremy Corbyn's leadership um, one of the major problems was that they treated the other opposition parties like they were the government they treated them like they were the Tories even parties that they agreed with ideologically such as the Green Party such as the SNP such as Plaid Cymru they they refused to work with them they refused to vote on their motions you know there were things that the SNP, Plaid Cymru, you know, put forward that were in Labour's best interest to vote for. They were things, in some cases, they were things that were Labour manifesto promises and policies, but Labour refused to support them because Jeremy Corbyn's leadership team decided that they didn't want to play nice with others. Um... And it just it just made the Labour Party look petty and childish um, and egocentric. And I don't think that is a good look for a party that claims to be, you know, about reaching out, about being progressive. You can't be progressive if you're holding yourself away from others and you're refusing to work with people, especially people who have the same common goals as you. So I'm hoping with the new leadership team of Starmer and Rayner that that will be something that they are looking to do. That they are looking to um, be more open to working with other parties in the opposition um, and that they are going to be less egocentric and less tied to the idea that the Labour Party can do everything on its own because frankly it can't you know it it may be the biggest party in the opposition but you know is Jeremy Corbyn Prime Minister? No um, 
has Jeremy Corbyn been able to hold back a lot of the things that the Conservatives did while he was leader? No. Could he have potentially done that had he been willing to work with the other opposition parties that wanted to do the exact same thing? Maybe. Um, but we can't change that. But what we can do is hopefully, <laughs> you know, look at a future where the Labour Party will be more open to that. So that that for me is uh, the thing that I will be looking out for most um, cross party cooperation in terms of opposition, as well as how the new leadership team of Starmer and Rayner will handle things like um you know, party disciplinary issues in terms of anti-Semitism. Um, there's also been some issues with Islamophobia uh, within Labour. Um, so it'd be interesting to see how they handle that, because obviously those, you know, are things that Corbyn's Labour have been criticised for very heavily. So I think that, again, is something that they have got to get right um straight off the bat so it will be interesting to see if they do um but it's it's very early like the announcement was just made 10 minutes ago and i'm recording this so (laughs) we don't really have a clear picture of what's going to happen and what they're going to do but we're going to see and it's going to be exciting on a personal note um as somebody who comes from a background that some people would not think is uh the best <laughs> um and somebody who you know is criticized for things like the way that they talk and you know uh the the way that they act um you know which all obviously ties into social class um even though i don't agree with some things that angela rayner stands for and has done it is it is really something to see somebody that I can relate to on some of those things succeeding like this um you know all the girls out there who have been told that we talk too common or you know, <laughs> we're, you know, we're never going to get anywhere in our lives. The girls that have been given up on because, because we don't have a, a perfect route from where we started to where we want to go. Because, you know, because people think that we aren't good enough and right now she has stood up and said yes the fuck I am and that means something and it's gonna mean something to the next generation of girls who who see someone like Angela Rayner you know being dragged you know, by middle class people because maybe she doesn't pronounce things the way that they would like her to or, you know, she says like or you know too many times or because she has an accent 
or because she's from the wrong part of the UK. And they'll watch her being dragged, but now they're getting to watch her succeed. And that, that is going to mean something for them. And that is going to give them hope. And I think that's important too. And and so I'm happy for her, really, on, on that regard. You know, on a personal level, I'm, I'm very happy for her. And, and I'm happy for the young girls who are growing up right now, who feel like people are giving up on them because, you know, because they're just written off that way. I'm happy that they're getting to see someone who is also in that position succeeding. And I hope that it tells them that they're going to succeed too. You see me and then I'm in a different scene. Sometimes I need to roam inside my head, saying goodbye again to days I've already lived, and I dare to tear a piece of myself to give to you. I ask you for nothing, except forever, and sometimes I don't really know what that means. It's the one word that escapes me. I chase shadows. Sometimes I am a sad girl, but sometimes I believe in dreaming and it's exhausting, but what can I do about that? Sometimes I am grounded but only when I'm with you. And the world is a lovely but a lonely place. Only when I'm with you. That began as a set of lyrics. It has since been uh, changed in terms of the song. So I'm, I'm working on this new um, this new record. It's going to be kind of um, kind of throwback soundy, you know. <laughs> I know that's very vague because I could be throwing it back to like a million different time periods. But kind of, um, you know, sort of doo-wop, slightly surfy, that kind of vibe. I still don't know if that makes sense, but that's not the important part of what I'm talking about. <laughs> so I started I started writing stuff for it, and um, I wrote this song. It's tentatively called I Hope You Stay, but as you will know from the many uh, processes of my life, it is probably going to be called something completely different in, like a few months when I actually release it, it will, it will have gone through several different name changes because I can never stick with it. I always end up changing the names of everything. Um, <laughs> but, uh, it's, the song, it's, it's, it started off with this, this little guitar part, 
right? That's really cute. And then I added some violins. And then I added some more violins. And I'm not going to lie to you, I threw in some more violins. Because I love vio-fucking-lins. They sound majestic. And I added, oh, there's some cute drums and some piano parts. And it's like this, this... It reminds me of if I was in the 1950s and... um you know, race relations were a bit better, so I was allowed to go to the same dance as everybody else, um, and then I was dancing with someone at this, like, high school dance, and it's this really romantic, like, song, and you know what I mean? It's very that. Anyways, so I I started writing lyrics to go with it, and I wrote too much stuff, so I took some of it, and I turned it into a poem instead, and then you know, I had the lyrics. So it's, it's like when you, when you make, when you're baking and you use, like, you've got too much pastry left over, so you use that to make something else. It's, it's like that. Creative recycling. this quarantine a bit more queer well coming soon as alphabet radio the weekly pop-up lgbtqia plus radio station with great content from your favorite lgbtqia plus creators coming to you every week and launching very very soon find out more at alphabetpride.com Dream Serene is out right now. It's on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, Tidal, Bandcamp, everywhere basically. It's on TikTok. It's on the Instagram. It's all over the place. <laughs> it's on the YouTube as well, along with a music video. Uh, so you can check out my new single, Dream Serene. Um, it is out right now. Uh, everywhere, really. Um, thanks to the cool babies at Patreon. Amanda, Kylie, Melissa, Anna, Sam, Katie, Christina, Josie, Gabriella, David, Eleanor, Alicia, Emily, Andy and Tyler. Um, if you want to get in with the cool babies at Patreon... Uh, the details for Patreon are in the description or on my website and you get free content, exclusive content, early content. Um, I am hoping uh, that when this lockdown ends, I will be able to legally go to the fucking post office so that I can send out the signed copies for uh, Patreon backers. Um, so I will post another update on that on the patreon page as soon as i can but for patreon backers uh in uh the coming days there's going to be an exclusive project up for you guys um an early release project for you guys to see so i'll be posting that very soon for you um you can also support this show and other projects that i do uh the website the videos all that fun stuff um with one-off donations on paypal 
or coffee. The links for that are also in the description. Um, or you can leave us a review uh, or tweet me or tell your friends or whatever you want to do. Um, I'll be back again next week with another episode. We're going to have fun. We're going to get through this together. As crazy as these times are. I will see you next week. You can follow me on social media with the username Miss J Squared on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, all the places really. If there is a social media platform, I probably have an account. My username will probably be Miss J Squared, so you can find me there. Um, and you can find more of me and my work and all the things that I do on my website, which is jenniferwan.com. I will see you next week. Good night, my love.